Hey, what's going on? Hey, Lefty. Hey, Lefty, what you say? Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We are the best lefties in the game in podcast land because we spin it different. I am Sean Davis at SB2 Mics, the original Lucky Lefty, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Bro, this is the slant each and every week. And basically, we're going to talk about some things that Brian Kelly said press conference that you know we might have to interpret or read through the minutia to let people know like man you might might want to look at it a different way that's right give our final outlooks on a purdue game before we look for us in this weekend and then we'll recap some of the goings on in week three of college football it was some really good games man that i think the, the game down and uh you said it too that that swamp was a, a difficult place to play. Difficult place. Bryce Young proved himself, but I think Nick Saban, well, put it like this. I think Florida walks away from that game saying, yo, we want them in a, we want them in a championship game. Well, yeah, you got to break down also, you know, what, what makes the difference of the quarterback. So if you have a great quarterback, you'll have a really good team. But if you have a phenomenal quarterback, You'll have a great team. And I think right now, Alabama, they've been fortunate enough to have phenomenal quarterbacks in that situation to make their team great. Yeah. I think Bryce yeah. is on his way, but as a first-year guy, it's hard to be phenomenal. Well, let's get to it, man. Brian Kelly did speak with the media on yesterday and very interesting things. The first thing I want to talk about, of course, a lot of people want to talk about Graham Mertz, taking the job away from Jack Cone, this possibly being a revenge game for Jack Cone, facing his former team. And Brian Kelly didn't make it seem like it was nothing. You got to play the game. You know, Jack, Jack is a, Jack's a competitor. Um, he loved his time at Wisconsin, uh, but uh, it's a new chapter for him. And, you know, he's, a, he's a, like I said, a very mature level-headed. He wants to beat Wisconsin, but he wants to beat the following week, Cincinnati, you know, and, and the week after. So, um, you know, I, I think we can make as much as we want and make it a story. Uh, in the building, it's not that much of a story to him. I just – I Yeah, right. I don't, <laughs> you know, that's some coach talk, coach speak. Jack knows what it means to him, and his yeah, teammates 100%, know. A hundred percent knows. His, his teammates know what it means to him. A lot of it, too. I think. First of all, I think we're the first black Irish interpreters for head coach Brian Kelly. I think that's something to be proud of. That's something to be proud of. <laughs> Absolutely, we, we can give him the insight on on how we feel like he really probably sees it. Number one. So go inside the conversations, like the player conversations at, at table. Well, right. number one, uh, if it's not about Coach Kelly, he's he's not going to make it seem as important because Coach Kelly 100% is not only thinking of Wisconsin, but he's looking at Cincinnati, he's looking at Virginia Tech, and he wants Jack to play great in all of those. So he's not going to let the moment be uh, summed up by this game this week, even though it is a big game. Secondly, 100% Jack's thinking everything of this game. Uh, this is probably the reason why Notre Dame was high on this list because this is a good team that can match up well against his former team. I know losing the job 
in his situation to a younger guy was probably something he probably felt a different way it should have went. But understanding the business, I mean, a younger guy's just going to get the nod more times than not. Uh, this is a good opportunity for him. And he's probably hasn't expressed it as much to the team as you would think only because, you know, he's still new and, and they don't really probably understand the magnitude. But the team probably understands what it means for him outside looking in and probably want to play a little bit harder this week. Uh, it'll, it'll probably, it would be a little more if it was at Wisconsin. I feel like emotionally it'll probably be a little more, but playing at a neutral site, I think it'd be good for him to be able to see it as a, as almost as another game. But I think coach Kelly should put a little bit more mention on the fact that this is a, a game that could affect his quarterback mentally as much as he doesn't want to tell the media, it probably would in a lot of sense. And he probably has to keep an eye on that, whether it be maybe an early pick six, like against Toledo that could in that Toledo game, not make that much of a difference, but in the Wisconsin game, maybe it does. Yeah. You know, you got to know that Wisconsin's defense, if I was them, I'd probably try to talk a little trash. That's something to be aware of concerning the fact that, you know, he's not the starting quarterback at this team that he left. So, uh, there's a lot of narratives you can play. I think Coach Kelly played it smart by not talking as much about the one game standing out amongst the others. But I know this would be big for Jack. When when I was transferring and had an opportunity to go to North Carolina and we played North Carolina a year, I was definitely looking into it to play uh, Notre Dame. But at the time, North Carolina was not a good team. <laughs> I was just about to ask you that. Like, when you were looking around – where are you looking at the schedules like? Okay. 100%. 100%. I told Coach Kelly I wanted to play against him at the time, you know, when I was leaving. Uh, at first he had a problem with it, but, you know, he realized that it, he can't really, you know, that would be messed up. So uh, had the opportunity to play in North Carolina. It wasn't, wasn't the team right at that point to play, uh, to be in position to, to win. But this is a different situation for Jack. Right. He's probably excited for it, man. I mean, everybody wants to go back and get their little revenge. You know, I learned I learned a lot by listening to what Brian Kelly just said. And what I learned is that I don't like coach speak. Yeah, it's it's not I don't, I don't like it. It's boring. boring. And uh for us fans, I would just love for a coach to walk out there and just, just kind of like pull a Lou Holtz against Miami in the locker room and be like. Yeah, Jack wants to kick that. Yeah, Dan Campbell style, man. I yeah. think that's coach got great energy with that. Yeah, he wants it, and we're going to help him do it. I would have been like, oh, my like, I want to run through the wall right now. That's right. Like, let's let's go. But maybe that would help us start faster in games if, if Coach Kelly gave more of a rah-rah in his press conference. I feel like it would just be a different, different Coach Kelly, you know. Every year you want to evolve, maybe that's something he wants to evolve into. You know what? It's technically a home game for Wisconsin. I just thought about this, man. I'm, I'll be in the building. Of course. And, um, dude, if I have to, if I have to uh, witness that jump around crap in Chicago, like, dude, this, is, this isn't Madison, man. This is Chicago. This is Soldier Field. <laughs> What's the what's the demographic on the tickets? Do we have a good standing in Chicago for this game? Oh, Chicago is a Notre Dame town. It's it is, but it also it's is a Chicago. Big Ten. It's a Big Ten town. It is. Tons of Big Ten alumni from like 
everywhere, like mm-hmm. every Big Ten team you can think of. Yeah. Heavy Wisconsin, uh, heavy Iowa. The heaviest is probably Illinois. That's the strongest alumni in the city of Chicago. Then probably Northwestern and then Ohio State, Michigan and Michigan State kind of bring up the rear. So Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's like a 90-minute drive. They're going to travel for this one. Everybody wants to travel for the Notre Dame. They're going to travel. Arizona State traveled to Dallas Cowboys Stadium when we played them in the Shamrock game, and it was about 50-50. Look, you know what? Let's get to that because have you seen they released the new Shamrock joints that they're wearing on Saturday? I feel like they've already had those. (laughs) Yo, now my favorite Shamrock. With the white joints from 2011 or 20 when they put with Purdue and Indianapolis, right? Those were nice. Those are the blue ones. I'm talking about the all and white ones from Arizona State. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. rocking with you with the all with the big numbers with the green outline. Funky fresh. That Funky fresh. Now you might one. disagree with me. The other Shamrock game that I witnessed, shout out to my boy Jared Payton. I had to, you know, give it to him. Went to the game in 2012 at Soldier Field when we smashed Miami, blew them out. Mm. We had the double-sided helmet with the fighting Irish on one side and the other side. That helmet was fresh. That was hard. I didn't like the jersey so much. The most complete one was the Green Bean 2015 at the Fenway Park. Oh, the Fenway Park with the Yankee oh, kind of stripes. No, the all no, green not those. ones. The all green ones. Yes. When yes. Played in Boston. Yeah. Against Boston College. Boston College. That was the best one. That was fresh. Because we had the green face mask too. We was doing what sneaks did you rock? What sneaks did you rock with those? We had the we had the green bean, lima bean, uh Cam Newton joints. At the Cam Newton joints, that's when that was the that was this that was this Cam, right? That was that, so that was, was before that was before the Under Armour deal. This MVP Cam, yes, sir. This is when he was doing uh, commercials with, with yogurt. No, but I'm saying you all, who, Adidas was making a uniform back then. That was before the Under Armour deal, right? This was after the Under Armour deal. This is after the Armour. Okay, okay. We was Under Armour 2014. Transitioned after the Shamrock game. Oh man, there's a little history we got in that Shamrock, man. We know a little bit of history over there. The Shamrock game has been dope and it's definitely been impactful on recruiting because it definitely widened the net and gave exposure at a time where I felt like the program really needed that national exposure for the recruiting game. The NFL stadiums was the was the was the kicker, man. It was cool to play at be almost a pro. Playing at different NFL stadiums multiple times during the year. I mean, we played everywhere. So this year's version is, I mean, it's it's all right. They're not trying. They're not trying. You got teams now with all types of crazy jerseys. Where I get the tradition, but man. Let's the tradition at least got some variety at least. You know, there's there's some creativity and tradition as well. Yeah, I I just think that yeah, 
I agree. Maybe, I agree put, maybe put some flames on there or something. Well, they tried to put something on shoulder pads, and it oh, was what? No, you saw how it was, it's so small you don't notice it on TV. You don't even <laughs> notice it from the stands. It's like, come on, man. Well, man, I'm trying to get a, the fans a sneak peek of the uniforms. I think it was so dry. It's so come on, come on. There they go. That's the Shamrock series, which is basically the oh, home baby blue Chicago Bears jersey. We just better win the game. So I don't know, man. They didn't do anything with the helmet. They could have put some stripes going down the pants or something. They could have gave some accessories to my guy in the picture. Right, right. No, nothing. No, nothing. He could have been holding up the glove like this, something. We might as well just put the regular brown uh, helmets (laughs) on again, you know, if we want to be that traditional. Put them leather helmets on and do stitch cotton. Well, hey, Notre Dame does very well to feel, not just in fashion from uh, the uniforms, but they perform well in the Shamrock Series. Shamrock Series has had some memorable memorable games. The Arizona State game was memorable. The Indianapolis game against Purdue. Purdue was a huge underdog in that game. Huge underdog. And as we always say, Purdue always – Plays well, plays hard against against Notre Dame. So let's go to the next thing we have to interpret for Brian Kelly. Uh, This is very interesting. He had a team that he felt like reminded him of Wisconsin, and he compared Wisconsin to this team. I'll get your thoughts on this. Part of this game is that we're going to have to make some big plays. There's no doubt about it. So that and, you know, get off the field, um, you know, against a team that wants to control the ball. So, you know, kind of going back to what I said earlier, Tim, is that if you think about this as a, as a Navy game, is that scoring touchdowns is at a premium. You know, kicking field goals is not going to get it done for you. So scoring touchdowns, being really efficient on the offensive side of the ball. And when you get matchups, you better win those matchups. I mean, you want to score touchdowns every game. Yeah, it's like saying we're going to run and pass this week. Right. It's like, come on, man. Like this coach speak, I tell you. You know, when you're doing it so long, you know, you're not going to fix what's not broken. But as a team comparison, if we're saying we're Wisconsin, then that means that we don't have the explosive plays or players that can make uh, plays each and every week. I don't think Wisconsin has a Kyron Williams. I does I don't think that Wisconsin has uh uh Michael Mayer, that's for sure. I don't yeah, think yeah. Wisconsin has even an Avery Davis. Now they they I don't even think they have a Kevin Austin. Now they got some fast guys, but you know, I think we do have unique skill players enough to distinguish ourselves from Wisconsin. Uh in terms of time possession, I believe Coach Chris wants to score. I don't think he's trying to navy his way out of any game. If you watch the Penn State game, they were trying to score a lot, and they was in the red zone a lot. If it wasn't yeah. for a few fumbles and, and, a, and a couple picks, um, Wisconsin is definitely not trying to have a low-scoring game, I don't think, and neither should we. We're we're thinking a 40, 35-point-plus game every week. So 
No, I don't think that we're comparable to Wisconsin. However, it is going to come down to who's going to make the most explosive plays. Yeah, We have more talent to do that, but in a game like this, I hope Jack doesn't, you know, overthrow guys or start underthrowing guys because he's trying to be too perfect. That can be the, the big underlying story of this week. It's amazing, man, because I look at Wisconsin, I looked at the schedule before the season. I really wasn't worried about this game, right, because I just felt like Wisconsin wasn't going to be able to put up points. I felt like they were going to try to run the ball, and I knew they only had – they had two receivers coming back, but they really weren't explosive guys that you really had to worry about. And then when I saw the attrition in their backfield in the offseason, and now they're depending upon a transfer – to, to uh, carry the load, I just really felt like, okay, the depth that we have and the playmakers that we have are going to be the difference in this game. And I started thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? God dog it. Paul Christ is the head coach, man. Yeah, great coach. That dude walking to Notre Dame Stadium with Pittsburgh in 2012 and nearly pulled it off. So and- that's my second favorite coach, actually. I was, I was going to commit to him. I was leaving Pittsburgh, and then I got a call to Notre Dame, and that's kind of how it all happened because I was going to go to Wisconsin when he was there. The year I, the year before I was supposed to go, he went to Pittsburgh. I took a visit, and then I got an offer from Notre Dame the next the same day. I was coming back from the visit, and then I committed Notre Dame like the week after. Second time around, I was going to commit to Wisconsin, but I was just so sick of the cold, I ended up going to Florida. <laughs> but Coach, all, all in saying that, Coach Chris is hands down one of my favorite coaches and a coach that can make a difference in a game. You know, a lot of coaches rely on their players, but Coach Chris is one of the few that he can coach his way to a victory as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. State Street is something else up there in Madison, man. I will say that. I'll, hey. Shout, shout out to Coach Chris. That's the perfect uh, college environment for a football player, for sure. Absolutely, especially if you're winning games. Especially if you're winning games. Russell Wilson years and the Chris Borland years, hell yeah. (laughs) All right, 12 o'clock kick early Saturday, Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Our preview will get it tomorrow. We'll have a special guest. We'll dig deeper, offense versus defense and vice versa with both teams and get into the special teams as well. Jonathan Dorr was a little shaky last week. Hopefully, you know, Soldier Field is real tricky. It is. When it comes to place kickers, that wind can swirl a different way at a moment's notice. So special teams can play huge in this game. Let's go ahead and talk about week three in college football. We kind of teased the Alabama-Florida game, so let's save that for last. Uh, Ohio State continues to struggle. Now, they can put up points with that defense. Ryan Day, the week before, said he was going to make changes. They were going to change the schemes, which is never good, trying to change schemes in the middle of a season. I don't know how effective that can be, but I just don't. I honestly left, and we can connect these two games. I left with the impression that I, Penn State's the best team in the Big Ten after watching last week's games. 
I do like Penn State, but I'm looking at Michigan. I think Michigan is looking to be a, a, a better team in the long run this year, particularly. I think they got a, a good quarterback situation up there. Yeah. Ohio State's problem right now is that there's no superstars on the defense that usually stand out. Yeah. It's something where Ohio State's in a rare position where they actually have to start coaching. Yeah. Their defensive scheme has been the same since we played them in 2014 and even before that when they was beating Bama in the championship where those guys were dudes. And they never came out of that same couple of schemes that they run. They don't run nothing complicated, very simple defense. So now you're in a position where teams have better talent that's better than your talent. And Oregon, you know, had a had a perfect example of that where talent was very comparable. But coaching made the total difference. They got out coached in that in those last couple of drives on defense. But after a while, I mean, you're going to get better players, and the scheme doesn't change on defense. They don't run a lot of different looks. I mean, eventually, if you're not coaching, it's going to impact you. You have to evolve with the times, right? Now, it'd be crazy if a team was still running bone, uh, triple yeah, option right yeah, now. Is a perfect example as well, though. Ryan's day is a perfect example of a superstar quarterback coming into a superstar team. Yeah, you was already going 100 miles an hour. You now you slowing down a little bit. Now where is the the boost coming back from? Yeah. Urban Meyer is an urban legend. I mean, he came in there to get it rolling, and he left it rolling. But you know now it's picked up some 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 turbulence. It's picked up uh, some things coming in between that. Yeah, and so. Uh, and so it's kind of kind of thrown off what's been going on. So for me, I think Ryan Day's in a perfect position to show why it's a new a new era out there in, in in Columbus to establish where his good coaching can come in and change the difference. Man, let me tell you something. If Ohio State wins the Big Ten this year, I, I just don't see anybody beating them in the next three or four years. Because you know they're not going to have another difficult deal like this. Whatever needs to be done over the nine days is going to solve, especially on that defensive end. I don't, if he has to go out and get another defensive coordinator, new, a whole new coaching staff, he's going to get it done. If he has to go out and recruit, he's going to get it done. So yeah, I, I mean, this, I, this, the, the only thing I would say they do get Penn State at the they get Penn State at the horseshoe. So that in itself is an edge but Penn State their defense is so fast and they play together so well man the mental fortitude that they showed me up at Camp Randall you know to constantly have Wisconsin in the red zone early in that game and just keep holding them to field goals and just waiting until Sean Clifford and that offense could finally make some big plays it just showed me a lot. But Penn State are some front runners, man. They look great when it's hot outside and get and, and lose traction when it gets cold. Surprisingly, being at the Penn that State. is that has been the track record, especially under Coach Franklin. And it's just so hard, you know, when the team is looking like they're hitting their peak so early. I mean, they've been playing on all cylinders last week against Penn, uh, Auburn. Yeah, they yeah. looked like they were hitting on all cylinders. It's just. Just like most teams in the Big Ten, 
Can you sustain it when it matters late in the season? Ohio State's been the only team to prove that consistently so far in that conference. But, you know, Penn State looked great with Saquon until they went to the horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> it looked real pedestrian after that kick return. You're right. You're right. You know, we got to see when we, when it gets down there. As we said before, there's a streak of opponents for Notre Dame to have an off week right before they face Notre Dame. None other than Cincinnati, who's off this week after a big win uh, in the state of Indiana as they defeat Indiana. Michael Penix Jr., you know, awful start to the season for him against Iowa. Mm -hmm. But he recovered very nicely. And the Indiana offense and that team, they put forth a really good effort. They they could have seized control of that game early. They got some turnovers, and they failed to convert which kept Cincinnati in the game. And then once Ritter and the crew got on in the third quarter, it's just too much firepower for mm-hmm. Indiana to keep up with. Yeah, I, I just – I mean, I'm still a big fan of Indiana. I think that a team like that where you're missing some talent in certain positions, you're going to mm-hmm. miss – sometimes you'll get off against a, a high-ranked opponent. You'll catch them off guard. But when you're sustaining expected – uh, expected greatness because they're not expected to be the pits this year. Yeah, it's a little harder now. Your talent starts to show where it's lacking in some positions that other teams got. Like Nebraska, I like what they got, even though they fell short uh, to Oklahoma. I like their quarterback. Their quarterback is going to keep them in games. And uh, I don't think, man, I I need to see more from Martinez, man. I just have he's going to do it this year. I don't know. No, no, no. This. I, Sometimes you look at someone, you look at a kid, and you ask yourself, has Scott Frost really done enough to develop this kid? That's like, true. I That's know true. he's a, I know he's a playmaker. Yeah. I'm not questioning that. He showed his ability. I think Nebraska played Oklahoma. I came away from that game disappointed. I was disappointed in Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma's defense is always going to disappoint you. Yeah, and their front. I thought the Nebraska front handled their Oklahoma offensive line, which is supposed to be one of their strengths. Spencer Rattler, Mims. I was like, okay, they made plays, but I wasn't overly impressed. Right. And, you know, if Nebraska doesn't make one or two mistakes that cost them field position and shut down drives when they were driving into Oklahoma territory and getting beat, Possibly into the red zone to make to be able to score. I think that game is totally different. I think Oklahoma is sweating in the fourth quarter just like they were against Tulane. And that's the thing with these teams that are up and coming is that they're still struggling to string together the consistency to pull those games off. But they're on the edge. You saw UCLA early in the season look like they had a hot start against LSU. Things that they would miss on years before they did better, but. You see them losing to Fresno State, even though Fresno's a great team, but you beating the LSU, you're supposed to continue that high streak, which is making college football better. It's just showing that the talent is coming up. Yeah. And that even though there's still some clear dominant teams, it's getting competitive for these teams that are just jumping in the top 10, like we think. Uh, sleeper teams, once again, BYU. Coming up huge. That game with Arizona State was a really good game. Yeah, a lot of people probably didn't see it because it was late on the West Coast, but that was a really good game. And I came away from that game impressed with BYU and Arizona State. 
Arizona State got the young staff. I love what Hermat was doing. And BYU's a bunch of grown men. So, you know, grown men always play well together, especially when you're playing a bunch of 18-year-olds. I mean, these guys are three or four years older. So that grown man strength is a real thing. But I love that BYU can – can they stay true to who they are as a team. Yeah. They're a tough physical team, and they can catch you if you're not all on fire and all cylinders. So last year they just had a splash quarterback. Zach Wilson, who put them on notice that they are actually a team that can be consistently good. And so they haven't uh, dropped off too much steam after Zach. But, you know, Arizona State, I'm liking the culture that they're bringing over there. It looks like it's fun to play for Herm Edwards and that young staff. So yeah. um, Jaden Daniels, man, hopefully he keeps running it up this year and uh, see him towards the end with some with a chance to get in that playoff. I don't know if you call them a sleeper team because they've been really good as a program. If you just take it as a large sample size over the last years per se, but very quietly, man, Stanford and coach Shaw has them playing very well. Come out of the gate, struggling game one, go back to Atlanta, to LA, get a big win on the road. You know, I didn't expect too much from Vanderbilt. You know, you know, at home against Stanford, but they they just pushed them around and dominated. And it seems like once again they have two six four receivers on the outside that they can play 50-50 ball up with tight ends that are huge running down the middle of the field, and then they just want to pound you with that big offensive line. Yeah, you know, honestly, man, you get you got to really establish the run and why it's so important is you got to see if these kids want to tackle. You know, a lot of these kids. Mm. As the generation is going on, they'll you can't avoid some of these teams. Wisconsin's a team you're going to have to tackle. I think this is a perfect game for Kyle Hamilton to show uh, how versatile he can be, making plays within the box and starting and, and shutting off those edges uh, and being a good tackler. This team is going to run, and they're not going to hide it. So, if we can prove that we're tough enough to go toe to toe each play and make them tackles in them holes with the linebacker in play, I feel good that we can handle this this tough uh, road schedule. The only thing I'm worried about early on, I think our linebackers are going to be playing with their hair on fire. I think our defense is going to be motivated. Yeah, I, I think Coach – I, I just – I don't want to get hurt with the, you know, that bootleg game with the tight ends running the drags. Paul Chris loves that. Loves it. Yeah. You know, and it's gonna be interesting to see. It's gonna be interesting to see how Paul Chris is countering the aggressive play style of Marcus Freeman. But I know Coach Freeman uh has challenged his defense this week of being tough and being in them gaps and filling yeah. holes and, and making tackles. I know that's been uh probably the number one thing on their board, defensive board this week. But Coach Chris, man, one of the best coaches in college football, hands down, has definitely got something up his sleeve. He's definitely going to boot, definitely going to get merch on outside the pocket, making some plays. And, and you know they're going to take advantage of the outside. I do think we have the corners to match up with their receivers this week if we go man-to-man. Let's just hope we don't get caught sleeping by thinking they're going to block and they run right past us or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> So we, we, we briefly talked about what well, we talked about Pitt State. Uh, Auburn, I, did, I told you last week, 
I didn't. I, I'll never buy into Bo Nix. Yeah, just, no way. He's he's just a. You know, he's now that a, big, that Bigsby kid, the Bigsby kid at running back. I can see him playing on Sunday. Real deal. That's real deal. For having those big, strong running backs. Man. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, now what I did see. Because I saw Florida come out in the second half and just basically push Alabama's defensive line around. Yeah. It's like Dan Mullen didn't say, look, we're down double digits, man. We got to throw the ball. He was, we're about to punch him in the mouth and get back in this game. It's number one thing of a play caller. You don't get off script, especially when things are on fire at the time. And Dan Mullen – if anybody you had to go into a fight with against Alabama, that's the guy you want to call. He got the game plan laid out. He just yeah. needed players to do it. I think you saw the glimpses of that when he was at Mississippi State. And and to him have Dak Prescott looking like that, to him, for him having challenging Bama like he did, it was just a matter of time when he got around talented guys like people that go to Florida. I mean, he can put it together. He can put a game plan together. He put a lot of points on Bama the year before. I mean, he makes Saban's defense look real regular now. And Saban's another one that they're not, they're going to be who they are and they're going to stick to the principles of what they run. They're just similar to Ohio State, except now, you know, the play calling is making a difference. The coaching is making a difference. And Florida got some talent now. They're not known, uh, down in the dumps team, they got talent yeah. to how LSU has talent when they had Joe Burrow and and that type of deal. So the SEC is heating up. Alabama's not the number one recruiting school each and every year. And so you're starting to see the results of that in these games here. Well, one of the things we did talk about in a game that is going to be a big deal if Notre Dame can come away with a victory is that Brian Kelly will be the winningest coach in Notre Dame football history. I want to tip my cap to Brian Kelly. He was asked what it would mean during his press conference. And his response is, I will be the winningest coach in Notre Dame history without a national championship. I mean, but that's all that means. Basically saying like all, all the other big dogs have national championships that have been coaches here. I don't. You can't knock a man for trying. Getting the most wins is hard to win in college football. If one thing you can say about Coach Kelly, yeah, that man knows how to win some games. <laughs> <laughs> he did it on Cincinnati. He did that Grand yeah. Valley. Grand Valley State, yeah. He got the Krabby Patty formula for winning football games. However, <laughs> missing that secret ingredient when it comes to them championships. It's right. Just, he the sauce evades him and he, he needs that good burger sauce. But the only thing he can do to fix it is that he take his toe out of the sauce. He got the Jerry Jones effect when it comes to the to to Notre Dame and where we could go in the national championship. If we want to win a national championship, he can't be the reason. And until that changes, hey, you know what? Speak on that. Speak on that. Like. The ability of a coach to make $10 million, $12 million per year, but to be able to lessen his ego and let his guys be 
the, the focal point. Perfect, perfect example. You think about Urban Meyer. When you think about Urban Meyer, your first thoughts are Tim Tebow, Zeke Elliott. You yep. know, you can highlight players instantly. Yeah. You know, we got guys right now in the league that you're not thinking of Jalen Smith when you think Brian Kelly. You think Brian Kelly, Notre Dame. You know, right. you're not thinking of man tie and off the top. Because obviously we got tons of great players, but when you think of Coach Kelly, you don't think of players. You think of Coach Kelly. So, and the diff- I mean, you can even talk Dabo Sweeney. You talk Dabo Sweeney, first thing you think, Deshaun Watson. You think DeAndre you think Trevor Lawrence, you think the quarterback situations, you think all the D linemen he doesn't had, and all the, you know, and so point being is that he's got to take the pride, I think, not even the pride, I don't even know how you say this. It just can't be about Coach Kelly if we want to win a championship. It's, even it's, in the 2012, it's, 14, it's 14, the perfect opportunity for him to change that perception. 2014, like, 2015, we had enough of the right stars. But I'm saying is Kyle Hamilton that dude now? Is he the perfect dude for him to change that perception? Kyle Hamilton will get us there, but it takes a quarterback to take us over. The you're right. You're right. You're right. I think Kyle you're Hamilton right. has all the, the necessary pieces around him to establish his top five, his top five pick in the draft next year. And he can take us to a championship, but he can't win it for us. Oh, so we got to have our own version of TB12 next year. That's basically what you're saying. I mean, you look at all the quarterbacks that won championships, they damn near was Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Burrow was Tom Brady in that one season. Yeah. Matt Jones was damn near Tom Brady in that one season. I mean, these are the teams that have been winning are putting up numbers that are all-time great. All-time Alabama's offense was all-time great. Joe Burrow's offense when he won was all-time great. Deshaun's Watson offense was all-time great. Like, you put them in the records of records of records. I'll tell you the coach that I think was the coldest at being able to know who he was, being comfortable in his skin, and allowing his players to be the stars. And that was Pete Carroll at USC. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that dude, that run he had. Because the difference with Pete Carroll is Pete Carroll cared about winning. And when winning is the most and only important thing, guys can get behind that on an equal level. If you're putting players in the front, meaning like if you're just trying to highlight one specific guy outside of the culture being winning, like mm-hmm. we have Brady Quinn, it was Brady Quinn and the Notre Dame X or the Quinn, <laughs> you know. It wasn't like winning at all costs. Urban Myers are winning at all costs with some stars. There's a difference, you know, you can win it with some stars. But you know, Notre Dame X, bro. Yeah, Notre Dame X. It, it was Brady Quinn. I don't even remember anybody that played with Brady Quinn other than Michael Floyd, right? And, you know, but that was. Come on, yeah, yeah, Jeff Samarja. Right, but you were you it was talking about Brady. Darius Walker. Yeah, Brady was a star. He was Brady, the guy. Brady was the star. You know. Now Stovall. Yeah, Brady was the star though. He was just the guy, you know. And 
even with LSU in that season, Joe Burrow was the guy. But, man, did they – it just – the culture was just everything. Everybody was the star. And that's, right. that's kind of the feel that you need getting over that hump. Deshaun Watson, he won. Everybody was damn near the star. I didn't know – everybody I thought was first round that they had that year. So, right. It's a it's a team culture that they that that needs to be created, but it doesn't involve the coach being the number one. All right, that's the slant this week. Go so right now. Check us out. Apple Podcasts. You can get every piece of content that we put out. It's available. Search A2S Network, and it'll be right there for you. Let's get it. For you to check out that's right there scrolling right there at the bottom subscribe to lucky left podcast on the youtube channel like and subscribe and then follow us at lucky lefty pod that's instagram and twitter and we're doing big things on linkedin as well hey linkedin is the plug (laughs) the plug and thank you for everybody as i said before we broke records last week up subscribers views everything and i look at it daily and it's better and better so let's keep grinding keep rocking with us we're gonna be back tomorrow as i said before we'll have a special guest we'll tap into a little bit deeper into wisconsin notre dame coming up we'll give you of course malik's keys to a dub we'll talk about that i have a special guest former notre dame Defensive line, former 49ers defensive lineman Ian Williams is going to join us. I got some stories out of Ian, Ian about this dude Lefty. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I know he has some stories. I got to get one out of. Him. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll look forward to the NFL Week Three as if the Bears will finally unleash Justin Fields, or will they try to throw Andy Dalton out there on a torn MCL? trying to act like he's all right chicago's gonna hold on to the end man we got back man by time um that might even bring nick Foles back by the time notre dame constant get through running the ball 80 times they might not have a field to play on they gonna have to find a different field. <laughs> that field's gonna be jacked jacked two teams gonna be jacked up all right oh my god malik zaire i'm sean davis We'll rock with you tomorrow when we preview Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and get into NFL Week 3 and his keys to a dub right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. This has been The Slam. Lock in with us. We spin it different. Always. Yep.